to Love Life with Jax, the very first episode today. If this is the first time that we're engaging, my name is Jackie Mungavin, and it's wonderful to have you here. If you've already been watching Facebook Live videos, and perhaps you've heard me preach, or you've read some of my writings, you're so welcome here in our podcast channel. I'm so excited to have you here. This podcast is going to be all about living life from the very center of what we were created for. None of us wants to feel like we've missed the point of life. Uh, the purpose of our lives is integral to our happiness and finding that purpose is so necessary and this podcast is all around discovering and embracing what wholehearted living and loving looks like. It's about discovering what it means to truly live. For this very first episode I have with me in studio one of my little boys, Kind Kay. Do you want to say hello? Hello guys! <laughs> and he's going to be sitting here quietly and keeping me company. Um, but I just wanted to engage with you around this concept of what it means to be wholehearted in our living, what it means to truly live. How can we address the layers of self-preservation and learn to open up our true selves to the world? This is obviously beneficial to other people that we're able to truly love and connect with them, but it's also essential to our own survival, to our own thriving, to being able to live into our true selves and and let, let ourselves be seen by the world. So I, I just really want to explore, and the reason for choosing this uh, subject matter for, for this whole podcast is that I feel like it's become part of my identity and purpose. It's really become core to who I am, this living out of love, living from love, that everything we do is about receiving love, receiving love from God, uh, receiving love from others, and about giving that love, that that really is, uh, if you like, the connective tissue that connects all of life together and for me it's been a journey of identity and discovering who I really am. I think when I was a little girl I, I was quite a smart little girl. I used to I remember standing up on a coffee table as a little I don't know four or five year old and my dad drilling me with times tables and uh, bonds I suppose as well and you know just really finding quite a lot of identity around intelligence um, and then even even as I grew older I I was a fairly pretty teenager and you know as many teenage girls would get a bit of attention for that and maybe just for being a girl in general um I found that some of my identity identity was linked to my purpose um not just in in who I was but in my performance and I wasn't it was a strange place to find my identity and being smart or or being pretty or being talented at this or that and I really my identity changed and I started this journey when I met my husband and over the years of our dating and even after we got married he was an enigma to me because he was somebody who knew me quite well and he never he never saw me as perfect and it was something that I found quite frustrating because he didn't see uh, perfection in me he saw my flaws where I had perhaps previously found an identity in being beautiful he would notice things like that I had hair on my big toes <laughs> where maybe I had previously found identity in being intelligent I found that he was super intelligent and his intelligence was different from mine and often in areas that 
that I did not excel in. And so there was this weird uh, journey that began for me around being loved, but not for being perfect, not for being, uh, not for my performance. And as he loved me, even though he he knew me, that unconditional love was almost, <laughs> it was almost frustrating because it would take the wind out of my sails that I was loved without earning it. There was this unconditional love that he gave me that was real and gritty. And it took a while, but eventually over time, I, I learned to surrender to this love and it started to transform who I was. And a couple of years ago, so I'd been married already for, I don't know, a decade or so. I went to my grand's funeral and it was really a pivotal moment for me as we remembered who she was and you know at the end of the day all of the things that we've done in our lives get distilled down to so little, get distilled down to one word or one phrase. Uh, I miss Jackie, she was so what would, what would be said about me in those circumstances? As we sat there remembering my gran, a life well lived, and we would say to her, I just miss my gran. Uh, she was so... And she was so loving. She was one of those people who, when you were in her presence, you felt like you were the only person that that existed in the world. You felt like you had her full attention. It was something that was so beautiful, and it was something that all of us had experienced. I remember so many stories of uh, being in her presence. Things like she had a, her and my grandpa had a home in the Drakensberg Mountains uh, in South Africa in, in KZN, and we would holiday there as cousins. And there was something so freeing about being at my grand's house because there was just this atmosphere of love. Love just permeated everything that we did. And I remember often we would strip down to our to our knickers and go swimming in the Berg River, or we would go and bath in some mountain pools and be washing our hair there in the freezing cold water. Um, I remember even as we grew older and hit puberty and started getting older, there was still this strange sense of being. Uh, being in the Garden of Eden when you were in my grand's property. I remember the one time uh, my girl cousins and I, we were lying tanning and we decided to risk it all and to get rid of all tan lines and strip down and tan naked because we thought we were the only ones home alone. And my grand was up in, uh, on her balcony and she looked down over us and just her words over our awkward uh, pubescent bodies at that stage, she was just like, wow, such beauty. Just everything about her exuded love towards us in a way that made us feel that it was okay to strip down to the bare skin that we had, to strip down uh, to our naked selves, not just physically, obviously, but I'm speaking also metaphorically in the sense that we felt that emotionally around her as well, that we could be our true selves. And I, I just want to be able to explore that a little bit. And I feel that I've, I, I'm on this journey of learning how to, um, how to how to be my true self and how to let others see me in a way that allows them to know me and allows me to love them without restriction because I'm not reserving and, and preserving myself uh, with some of the layers that I put up between me and others. But and as I'm on that journey, I'm wanting to take you with me because I'm feeling like this is a journey that could really benefit you. And actually, as I'm learning to love, I'm wanting to love you as you listen by taking you along with this with me on this journey that I've been going on for uh, probably my whole life, but particularly in the last few years. I remember a couple of years ago, uh, sitting in the car, there was my husband and 
and I and another couple that we're friends with, John and, and Nicole. And I was telling them about a, a person that we were friends with and saying how he had lost his dad at a young age and how it was almost quite funny at this stage because he had this thing where he was now an adult and he was completely unable to express emotion on his face. And Okay, if you're wondering why I'm calling that funny, it was funny in the sense now that in positive moments, his wife would always laugh at him because in their wedding photos, he has exactly the same facial expression in every photo, whether he's happy or sad, uh, whether he's confused or scared, that he's got exactly the same facial expression. And when I questioned him about it and said, hey, bud, what is up with your face? It's always exactly the same. He actually drilled it down to this moment when he was young and he had lost his dad and he actually trained himself to completely disassociate from his emotions, to disassociate um, from the ability to express himself to others. And um, as I told that story in the car, John, our, our friend, turned to me and he just said, I've had such a prophetic sense, a, a sense from God that as you're speaking, God is going to do something in you exactly like what you're speaking about, that he is going to unlock emotions in you at a depth and a level that you never knew possible, that he is actually going to connect you with your emotions and enable you to connect those with others. At the time, I thought, wow, that's not something I'm too excited about. Uh, I quite like being somebody who I was I prided myself in being in control of my emotions and not being overly expressive with my emotions. But anyway, that was a word that came to me. And as the years went by, I prayed about it and God started to do a work in me. And then this incredible um, moment in our lives, incredible in the very negative sense and in the very positive sense, we had this experience, a, a death experience with our, our daughter, Kiara, a car accident where we, we lost her. And I, I'll tell you that story um, in, in episodes to come but basically we went through an incredible trauma where we lost our daughter um, and then she was restored miraculously to life and it is the most remarkable story but through the journey there was a, re a really a, a, a ripping off for me of layers of self-preservation as I had to learn how to connect with the real pain of losing a child and the real joy of seeing a miracle before my eyes and uh, a couple of months into this journey of really learning how to rip off everything that prevented the world from seeing the true me, I wrote a, I wrote a blog that I wanted to read to you, um, and it was just around the fact that Kiara was now really helpful at this point. We were months down in the journey. She was she was doing excellently. She was healthy and well, um, and, and yet there'd been this incredible transformation within me, and, uh, and that's what I want to share with you today. The blog is called living liquid and it goes like this i'm living normal going to the gym doing my own shopping in my sweaty running kits and bright pink tackies i'm reading the specials and hunting for birthday gifts for yet another child growing up faster than my camera can catch the light bouncing off of him over the sound system comes the song butterfly kisses and my eyes fill up at the little white flowers caught up in the hair of another daughter growing up so fast but I'm living normal, swallowing my tears and pushing my chin up high, and then I'm not. <laughs> I'm ducking behind my trolley, pretending to look at the dishcloths on the bottom shelf while I sob as silently as I can into my gym towel. I'm living liquid and I'm wondering if it will always be this way. Will my skin grow back or will it never harden again? 
And I don't mean from the pain, because I'm not feeling pain, but I'm feeling painfully alive, excruciatingly, breathtakingly, beautifully alive. And I want to stay this way, not behind my trolley, but also not behind my skin, hidden. I used to think I was able to decide on the permeability of my walls at any given moment, back in the day before they came crashing down. But now I wonder if I could have pulled them down at all. They had become a part of me, defining who I became whilst having little resemblance to who I truly am. And I love the naked me, the raw, open, imperfect, and yet perfectly lovely me. I love the freedom I feel as I feel the wind of the Spirit rushing over my naked soul. And I pray that he teaches me to live liquid forever. Because I love the way the liquid me feels spirit-connected to the stories hiding in each of you, the stories of deep need and high hope. As a dear friend points out to me today, my tears have transitioned from tears of pain and sadness to tears of passion and purpose. And together we have what it takes, not only to keep hope alive, but also to keep ourselves alive as we tear down the barriers to connection that have separated our souls from each other and God for so long. I hope that that connects with you, just that moment of, of living liquid, of tearing down walls, and that's really what this journey is going to be about. That's what this podcast is going to be about, and in a very real way, it's what my life is being about um, in the years to, that have passed as I look back on them, and in the years to come as I look forward to what I want to be and how I want to grow. And so I'm really excited to take you along on this journey with me, and today I just want to leave you with a, a very quick framework, something practical so that you feel like you've really got some handles out of today. And that is a rule of living, a rule for living that helps you to establish a framework of what it means to live alive, what it means to live in a wholehearted way, in a way that is really living from love. Pete Scazzaro writes a book called Emotionally Healthy Leadership, and this is taken from his teachings, and it's, it's about establishing, as I said, a framework for how we can live, uh, slowing down to live a life of union with God, of being connected with his love, and so we're not forcing out the work that we do and the relationships that we have. We're not trying to squeeze every last ounce of ourselves into them uh, and living out of scarcity and out of hunger and emptiness, but actually actually how to live so full of love that our love uh, washes from us into other people in much the same way as we experienced at my grand's house, that as we were in her presence, there was just a sense of love and, and wholeness and an ability to be our naked selves uh, in every way and every meaning of the word. And so what it is, is you take three questions and write a list around these three questions. For the first question is, what do you currently do that nurtures your spirit? and fills you with delight or, or perhaps what would you do or should you do but what are the things that nurture your spirit and fill you with delight so for example a couple of mine are uh, waking up early to share sunrises with Jesus who is uh, the God that I worship um, maybe writing from revelation when I'm writing from a place of really feeling that I'm, I'm inspired it really makes me feel delighted and full of life uh, hanging out with my kids I love particularly reading to them 
them at night if we all cuddle together on the couch and I'll read them a book like Secret Garden or Black Beauty or Jock of the Bushveld, moments like that. I love putting on the different voices and <laughs> the emotions of the story and even acting out some scenes. I love that sort of thing. And then obviously there are particular friends uh, or family members that when I hang out with them, they, they enrich me, they fill me with life, uh, they make me feel alive. Uh, and even things like going to the beach or activities like that that you might experience. And then I, I did find it interesting while I was coming up with this list, it was so much easier when I thought of delight and uh, enjoyment. It was so much easier to think of the substitute things, the things that you would eat or drink or watch that would make you feel delighted, but in a false kind of way, in a substitute kind of way that didn't last. And so obviously you want to be looking for things that give life in and of themselves. And then uh, what do you do? That, the second question is, what do you do that depletes your spirit or that drains you, that empties the life out of you? Um, for me, some of those things would be trying to be what other people think that I should be or even what other people think that I am. <laughs> um, maybe even going to bed late or not getting enough sleep, finding that I've indulged in too much entertainment and I'm unable to process all the different things that I've heard or watched, uh, whatever it is for you. And then the third question is, what are the essential have-tos that you have to do in this season of life? Perhaps you are at school or studying or you've got kids that you're needing to attend to or aging parents running the home laundry groceries etc what is it that uh, that you have to attend to and then once you've got those lists of the things that fill you with life and delight and nurture your spirit the things that deplete you and the things that you have to do you then take another piece of paper and you divide it into four quadrants and right in the middle you put a little circle to say how do I receive and give love uh, for me God is the source of all love and so my little circle actually reads how do I receive and give the love of God and then the four quadrants would include uh, the top left corner the heading is prayer uh, the second on the right is rest at the bottom quadrant is relationships and work and then you start taking from that list and filling in those quadrants so the top left under prayer uh, what are the things uh, your conversations with God your connection with with the great spirit that created you what would be things there that would connect you with love either receiving or giving love and so obviously the early mornings or perhaps a day of solitude once a month or journaling would fit into that quadrant uh, under the rest quadrant would be things like having a day off maybe sleeping in or going to sleep early uh, things that you would do for fun like uh, going to the beach and even limiting screen time you would add that into the the rest quadrant under relationships different people that you would connect with again you're taking it from that list that you've written before and then under under work what are the things that you do that you add value to the world but that are also ways that you would receive and give love and these are not just to-do lists at all these are specifically around how do I give and receive love how do I live a life of love that I'm living from love that love is the source of all things that love is the source that the the energy the life force that 
that runs through me as I live out my life. And then that framework can help us and we'll speak about it more going forward. But I just want to close off with this this quote. It comes from a letter that was written to a church in Corinth um, and it's recorded in the collection of writings called the Bible. And it says this, that no matter what I do, if I'm speaking even in the tongues of angels, but I don't have love, I'm like a resounding gong. If I am gifted in speaking and know all knowledge and mysteries, if I am even able to do miracles and move mountains, but I don't have love, I'm nothing. Even if I'm doing good and giving to the poor and I I beat my body into submission, but I don't have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. It's kind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It's not proud. It doesn't dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It doesn't keep a record of wrongs. It doesn't delight in evil, but it rejoices in the truth. And it always protects and trusts and hopes and perseveres. Love never fails. This is the greatest commandment. Love is the greatest of all purposes, the greatest of all commandments, and it is the greatest source of life. So if you have enjoyed this podcast, join me next week. I can't wait uh, to see you again or or let you listen to this again next week. Um, Obviously, as I've said, this is my way of connecting with you, of loving you, of allowing the the life and the love in me to be shared with you. So if you've enjoyed this, it would be such a joy to me if you would share it with others, if you would uh, tell people about it in conversation, if you would share it in the various channels that you have on social media or via email. I would love uh, just for this to go as far as it can. So thank you for being a part of this. I so appreciate it. I'm only doing it because you're listening. So thank you for listening right to the end. And I look forward to going on a journey together with you of discovering what it means to live wholeheartedly from a life of love. Go well, guys.